Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. You know, life is not a playground. It's a battlefield. And our world constantly is trying to squeeze us with its pollen. Okay, now you're going to become like the world. No, no, no. No, no, no. Phillips, translation of Romans chapter 12, verse 2 is huge. Look what it says. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. Old mold means the, the way of thinking. How do I change my thinking? I change my thinking by reading the Word of God. That tells me how I should live. When we look at the Word of God, we must look at it with the thought of putting it into action, living it out in and through our lives. To study the Word just to fill our heads with knowledge without applying the Word shortchanges God's purpose in giving it. Pastor Mark will tell us that listening to the Word and knowing what it says is not enough if our lives are not changed as a result. For if we only hear the Word of God and never put it into practice, we've deceived ourselves. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 22, with part one of his message entitled, The One Thing God Wants Me to Do. Look at James chapter 1, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man, the woman, who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, will be blessed in what he or she does. James taught us last week that there's a big gap in the lives of Christians between hearing the Word, as you're doing right now at all of our campuses, or reading as we do. There's this gap between hearing and reading and actually doing what we read. And we learned last week four ways to take that gap and close the gap. So that which we hear, we do. Know the word and do the word. That was James' whole process. Now here, notice what happens. When we hear the word and read the word and don't do it, we're deceived. Self-deception. But look at the blessings. If I know the word, here it is, hearing the word and Doing basically what it says brings three things in my life. Again, last week, blessings, freedom, and success. Now, I want you 
to do something with me this morning. I want you to take your one finger like this. Everybody take one finger. I just want you to say this. There's one thing. Here we go. Put your finger up. Come on. There's, there's one thing that God wants me to do. There's one thing that God wants me to do. And we're going to learn that this morning. Verse 26, James chapter 1. If anyone considers himself religious and does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Now, the word religion here means worshiping God externally, ceremony, ritual. And what James is basically saying this, when Jesus came to this earth, the Jewish religion was a dead religion. In fact, Jesus said to them, hey, you look really good on the outside, but inside you're miserable. It was dead. Just listening to the word leads to dead religious activity. And there's that word we don't like again. The people are deceived. You see, many people this morning around our world, and there's nothing wrong with ritual or ceremony. But Jesus said, hey, you worship me with your lips. But your heart is not here. It's dead. It's useless. You're deceived. Well, Pastor Mark, I'm in church. I give money. Hey, I'm going to heaven. No, you're deceived. You're not doing the word. Now, when James talks about that, what is he trying to say? True worship is not really external. True worship is internal. It it comes from a heart that actually does the word of God. Remember when Jesus came, he didn't come to found a religion. There was already a dead religion. He came to change men's hearts from the inside so that worship would be personal in nature. And from that worship would come obedience. Know the word and do the word. Now, you don't need to write this down, but our world is confused about this. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. If I walk into McDonald's, I become a Big Mac. No. If you come to church, it doesn't make you a Christian. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That has to happen for us to be born again. Now, James already gave us one kind of example of true worship. In other words, knowing the word and doing it. I'm going to give you two more. So there's a total of three. Look at verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts... In other words, something that's from the inside, that there's obedience, as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows, notice, in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. These are three examples of obedience from the heart. Let me give them to you. Write the first one down. First one we read in verse 26, James says this, do it, don't just listen to it, learn to control your tongue, your words. Now, I'm going to unpack that when we get to chapter 3 because there's a whole long session on that and also chapter 4. We already heard in chapter 1, slow to anger. So why is the tongue such a big deal? Well, you already know I don't have to answer that to it. Most of us have said something and we wish we'd have never said it. Too late, it's gone. So we'll expand that later. Now, the second one, write this down this morning. James says this. Look, if you're really going to be a follower of Christ, you have to know the word and then you have to do it. And that's going to show itself in this. Number two, do it 
care for the needy. I've defined that this morning as hopeless and helpless. One day Jesus said this, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Remember, we learned that love is a verb. It's not just an emotion. We do something. So last weekend, we understood that I have to know the word, and that's not love unless I actually do it, unless I actually follow through and do it. Now, last weekend, we looked into the mirror, just as you did this morning, getting ready to come to church. Well, the mirror that we look into spiritually is the Bible. And when we looked in here, we saw some things, as we're doing right now at all of our campuses, that we need to do. But now Jesus says through James, don't look in the Word anymore, look outside. What do you see that you could do to help people who need help? Not just see the need, but actually do something about it. You see, life is about God and people and how we use our time. Now, remember when Jesus was here, he was an example of this. The religious people, the Jews, they would never touch the lepers. What did Jesus do? Walk right into a leper colony. He touched people. They were hurting. They were needy. Remember, Jesus met the woman at the well, outcast. Women in the Old Testament, kind of outcast, not worth much. What did Jesus go? Right to her. She becomes a believer. So in the Old Testament, in the world, those times, women, orphans, not, not much hope, not much going to happen. No economic support. First century, pretty much exactly the same thing. Listen to what the Old Testament says, Isaiah 1. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. When Jesus came, he elevated women to be equal with everybody. He was the one that liberated women. And and we'll see next week, everyone's alike. Jew, Gentile, black, white, doesn't matter what country you come from, man, woman, nothing. What do we discover here is that in much of our world today, orphans and widows, especially just women, well, they're not thought highly of. They have a difficult time in life. God was concerned then, and he's concerned now. For those that are hopeless and helpless. A few weeks ago, Linda and I were meeting with all these other mega pastors from around the world. And as we drove to the airport, we were with a pastor who has this huge church in Uganda. And uh, he began telling us a story. And the story just touched my heart. And I wanted to share with you how simple, if we look outside, that God can use us. In their ministry, HIV is a horrible thing in Africa. And uh, that's another whole story. But they discovered as they looked, girls eh, 12 to 17, they, they just dropped out of school. About 50% of the girls dropped out of school. Now, the church looked and said, well, why is that? They have the right to go. They can do all of these things. And here's what they discovered. It's a little sensitive, but you'll understand it this morning. When they got into the need, and it was the women in the church that kind of got into the need, they discovered that these teenagers, when they had their monthly period, they would go to school. They didn't have any napkins. They didn't have any cleansing. They didn't have any way, and people made fun of them. So what they all started doing is three or four days, five days, six days a month, they just stayed home because they had no way to cleanse themselves and be in school. Well, you add this up month after month after month, what do you have? They're so far behind in their school, what do they do? 50% 
drop out of school. Now, that doesn't sound like a big deal to us, but when you drop out of school in, in Africa, the father's going to say, get yourself married. So some older guy's going to come try to take advantage of the young gal at 15, at 16 to get married. They get HIV. They, they end up in prostitution. They, they have no way to support themselves. They have no education. Their life is destroyed. Pregnancy, abortion, everywhere. Well, these ladies looked into this need and said, look, we have to do something about this. It's called Living Hope, and this is the pastor's wife. And here's what they've done. They have come up with something called Keep a Girl in School, and they restored the dignity to these women. And here's what you see in her hand. They're little packets. And every month, thousands and thousands and thousands of teenagers get a free packet, a couple pair of panties, a few a sanitary napkins, some claws and so forth. And here's what they discovered after giving these, giving these over, and they do it every single month. Here's what they discovered. In many of the counties where 50% drop out, 100% stay in school. Hallelujah. That's amazing to me. How did it happen? One person saw a need. See, to us, it's like, Come on, Pastor Mike. Like, that's, that's impossible. What's wrong with those? No, they had no way to do it. So they met the need. Isn't that incredible? You see, we just have to think, that was a new thing for them. They saw a need and said, how can we meet it? God said to you and to me, he's going to do a new thing. Keep your eyes open. We do a lot here. Sometimes you don't know it. And we do food for the homeless. And we're going to be expanding that at all of our campuses. In fact, I was talking to the guys that do the barbecue team. They're going to go out and minister even more. They do that down in Sebastian. And they just reach out to the homeless people. Next, orphans. Nana's house. We support Nana's house. It's a wonderful organization. They get homes and they put kids in it. And they're buying new homes because there's so many orphans that have no place to go. A promise. You know about promise, Betsy. That's for the autism kids. The whole thing. They're, they're going to build a village right across the street. They're going to have a place where the autism guy, a guy, kids go and, and they're ministered to. Maybe you didn't see Friday in the newspaper. Autism rate in the last about three years has gone up 30 percent in the United States. One out of every 68 children are now special need children. That's amazing. Well, what do we do here at the church? Well, we have our volunteers, a whole group of them are trained at our campuses so that these special need kids can come here. While we're being here in, this, in our sanctuaries as adults, those kids are being ministered to by people who are specially trained. You can be trained. Just go to your, your campus and say, I'd like to learn how to help those kids. Now, why is that important? Number one, the kids need to see somebody else ministering to them. And number two, guess what? The parents can walk in here and go, for an hour, for an hour and a half. If you don't have a special needs kid in your home 24-7, you have no idea what I just said. It's huge. So thank you. Thank you. Next, pregnancy resources. Big deal. We support that. We don't want abortions. Human trafficking. A few months ago, two young guys, they go to FIT. They're in school. They come here. They said, we're going to do this seminar and human trafficking. They did it, put an article in the newspaper. All kinds of people came out. So we're working with them to try to find out how we can help. Human trafficking is a huge problem in our world, and it's a huge problem right here, even in Brevard County. See, these are people who are helpless and what? Hopeless. 
Next. Gospel for Asia. You know, letting a guy go to India every year, and there's all kinds of, you guys, hundreds of you have adopted these kids in, in uh, Bridges of Hope. Plumpy Doze. A few years ago, I was watching ABC News, and here was this little protein supplement that you could get. And so about three years ago, in the churches that we work with in Guatemala, we, we took uh, this Plumpy Doze, and it's given the two, two-year-old and under. There, what they were eating as two-year-olds, up to two-year-olds, was uh, a corn taco and coffee. And we took them this protein, and they were stunted, not only in their growth, but their mental ability. They couldn't learn. We've turned that around, more than 300 students. Every month, they come and get their free supply that you guys supply from a church that loves them. And the kids are growing healthy at the age of two. They can move on and grow to the other food. Can I hear an amen somewhere there? That, that's huge. Oh, by the way, let me go back to the girls with the, uh, the, the kids. So many of them now have gotten saved. And they're, they're in the church, and they're learning how to be young ladies, keeping themselves until marriage, going to marry a, a godly husband. Can, can I hear an amen again? See, it's not just about the sanitary deal. It, their whole life came to Christ. Then the second thing he says is look out for orphans, look out for helpless, hurting people, people that are hopeless. We've done that. And we come to the kind of the third area that's right in front of us. And here it is in verse 27. Look at the end of verse 27. Religion that God our fathers accepts is pure. In other words, it's right. And faultless is this, to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, this is strange. I want you to just write this and take a look at this picture. How many of you are glad almost we're through with the yellow pollen? Could I see a amen? What happens with that yellow pollen? Anytime you get near it, it's what? It's on your car. How many of you have dusted your house? And your husband comes home and says, hey, there's pollen over there. I just dusted it two minutes ago. Here it is again. Can I hear an amen? Save your marriage. Watch your tongue. All right, now here. Here's number three. Do it. Watch your personal purity, your godly values. You see, the Bible tells us how to live. And so what James is saying is this. Be careful. Don't let the world's pollen rub off on you. Don't let the world's values rub off on you. What are the world's values? Power, possession, pleasure, position, the priority of self, the denial of God, sin and consequences of sin. James says, be careful. That world will squeeze you into its way of thinking. You know, life is not a playground. It's a battlefield. And our world constantly is trying to squeeze us with its pollen. Okay, now you're going to become like the world. No, no, no. No, no, no. Phillips. Translation of Romans chapter 12, verse 2 is huge. Look what it says. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. Old mold means the, the way of thinking. How do I change my thinking? I change my thinking by reading the Word of God. That tells me how I should live. But let God remold your minds. The battle is always in the mind from within. So that you may prove, here we go, in practice, by doing, by doing. So James says, you have to watch your life. I have to watch my life. Now, James heard Jesus teach in regard to this. There's no surprise that James says to us, be careful, don't be polluted by the world. What he means is you should live different than the world lives. 
Your values have to be very different. Now, when you see that, the Beatitudes that Jesus gave in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 were huge. And one of the keys that Jesus spoke, James heard it, was this. Followers of Jesus had to be different in their thinking, their values, and their lifestyle. So would you write this down this morning? Not all the rest, just the first sentence. At all of our campuses, Vieira, Sebastian, you guys online, watch this. A follower of Jesus is to be different from the religious and the irreligious. Now, let me just say this. Be careful. Be careful. I didn't say that when we're different, we're better. We are no better. You don't say to a a person that's not a Christian, well, I'm different than you, and I'm actually better than you are. No, we all started the same. We're not out condemning people, but we're to be different. We're to be salt. We're to be light. Now, how are you and I to be different? It comes from the Word of God. It doesn't come from reading the Word of God. It comes from doing the Word of God. Here's how. Don't need to write these down. We're to be different in our thinking. We're to be different in our values and our morals. We're to be different at home, at work, at school, at play. It's not something we do on the weekend. We're to be different in how we treat people. The world says step on people, get at them. The world says this, they hurt you, hurt back quickly. No, God says just the opposite. And we're to be different in our approach to everyday living. Guys, we are simply pilgrims. You add 100 years to your age right now, we're all dead. Where will you be? Well, you're either going to be in heaven forever or hell forever. See, we have a whole different perspective, a very different perspective in the world. And that perspective comes from the Word of God. Now, Jesus knew a problem. When he said to his disciples and his believers, you're to be different, he knew that some of them would say, okay, there's pollen out there in the world. I'm not getting around them people. I'm going to my little holy huddle here at Calvary Chapel. <laughs> and us four and no more are just going to enjoy till we go to heaven. That's not at all what Jesus meant. I can't change the world unless I'm in the world. But then he gave us a warning. Watch it. His last prayer to his father was about you and me. Jesus said this. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, I don't quit my job and look for a Christian venue everywhere, a Christian job, a Christian neighborhood. Absolutely not. But that you protect them while they're in the world from the evil one. Now, I want us to read this little prayer together because it's powerful. And I put my name there because this is what you're going to do. If your name is uh, Judy, you're going to read it like this. Keep Judy effective in the world. And then you put your name there. So... This isn't a difficult question. In case you didn't have your coffee, you could still do this because you know your name. It's, it's not too difficult on our campus. So we're going to read it nice and loud, out loud, everybody. If you find somebody next to you that's isn't reading, just smack them in the side. Pastor Mark reminded us that God's Word doesn't tell us to sit in the pews every Sunday and listen to it being taught and then go into the world and do nothing. No, it tells us just the opposite. It tells us to listen to God's Word and then go into the world and love. Act upon what you've heard from His Word today. By doing this, you'll be blessed, you'll have freedom and success. In his letter, James addresses practical issues of life that are as well as current as this morning's newspaper. You know, in our hostile world, we know that trouble is 
Well, simply part of our lives. Hardships, disappointments, tragedies, rejection, fear, persecution, conflict, unrealistic expectations, financial, marriage, and even family troubles. You see, God's Word never promises us to spare us from these trials, but God promises always to help us face these trials. Well, the book of James speaks to many of those issues. It's interesting that James himself, who was Jesus' half-brother, never really became a believer in Jesus until after the resurrection. So we see from James that he struggled with these same things about belief. And because he overcame that and came to faith in Jesus Christ, he writes to the Jewish people that no matter what you're facing, you can overcome the hostile world. A world that really is hostile to biblical truth and to a biblical lifestyle. There are always many opportunities to get involved. There are many good ways to serve God and show love to others. Pastor Mark will give us some ways that we can put our faith into action on a regular basis. See, Jesus could have just stayed home and not healed, fed, or loved anyone, but he didn't. He went out and got involved with people. He touched, he loved, and he told others about God's love. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. seen and our ears have heard his word made flesh in a hurting world a new hope he is giving lord let us hear